Hey, y'all, we're back with another episode of Small Talk. You already know, two queens, two perspectives, one topic. Asia, what are we getting into today? So today, we're going to start the conversation off with, well, I have a question for you, Britt. Is what you accept, accept from others what you think you deserve? <laughs> okay. Is what I accept from others what I think I deserve? That's, mm-hmm. that's the question. Ooh. Yes and no, right? Okay. I feel like people treat me how I meet them to a mm-hmm. certain degree, right? Because some mm-hmm. people are very much selfish and they don't care. But to all of my people that are close, my fa- my family, some of my family, some of my friends, um, they... I put I put out the energy. I set the tone of the relationship, right? I we both together define the boundaries of the relationship, how far or not far to go. So I feel like when people dish out what they give me, yes, I do feel like I'm deserving of that. However, there's mm-hmm. always those folks that don't, right, pour into you as much as you pour into them. So yeah. I have a very and I just had this conversation maybe last week with with my husband in terms of like I feel like I have an expectation of folks because I do so much for people or because mm-hmm. I connect or because I have this energy like about me that I just do it because I want to do it not because I'm looking for something in return right? right so I and I feel like I am deserving of these things in return however I don't get them so the in that, that instinct right the answer is no mm-hmm. don't get what I I deserve but I do accept it which I shouldn't but I do mm-hmm. from other people so that's like a two-way yes no response for me what about you I think <laughs> this is a really big one okay so I think that I've, I've been fortunate enough um have really like most of the time to have really good experiences with people right just because I'm very protective of who I let into my space like my personal space my inner circle if you will um I do think sometimes that because I have struggled with um with worthiness and feeling worthy of like love and just I don't know just overall worthiness I think that that sometimes when I don't, when I do experience different things of like somebody hurting me or somebody not treating me kind or whatever the case may be, I do accept those things when it, when it, even when it is negative, because I think it somehow is feeding this insecurity that I have within myself or it's feeding like this idea of like, well, something in them saw how unworthy you are. And that is lining up with how unworthy you feel about yourself. So that's what you deserve right so I think that there have been times that I've had a skewed understanding of what I deserve um and so I do accept I have accepted in the past um when those negative things come to me because I think that on some level I believe that it is what I deserve um and so and then it and then that turns to like this striving thing right um of just like okay so now let me let me try to like overcompensate right and let me try to prove how worthy I am um 
so that I can get the good out of life or something like that. And so I think in those moments, then it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like they, they do genuinely love me or they do genuinely care or whatever the case may be. And like, oh yeah, I do deserve those things. But I think for a long time for me, I did not accept when people were being good to me because I didn't think that I deserved it because I struggled with unworthiness. And I think I did accept from people when I would get hurt by people and I was super like really forgiving because I think on some level, um, even if I never said it outright, I think on some level, I felt that it was like affirming an insecurity that I had. Oh, that's good. That's good. So you feel like it has changed and developed over time, depending on the people that you meet, basically. Yeah. And where and, we have, and how I see myself. Mm-hmm. too. Okay. That's good. You know, I I heard this guy say, um, even so, like using the example of like dating, that's the first thing that comes to mind or or establishing friendships, really like we kind of attract the people that that are a reflection of ourselves. Right. So Mm -hmm. like it's you're literally standing in the mirror looking at a boy version or a girl version, if you're a male version of yourself. Right. Um, And then you kind of like weed out the toxic traits or you weed out like the, the bad things. Um, yeah. But then you also compartmentalize the good things, right? And so mm-hmm. when your relationships are not aligned with one, like your relationship is, you're not aligned with one another in the relationship is what I'm trying to say. Then you take those good things with you. Um, and those negative things are things that you now know that I don't want or I don't deserve, Right. right. And so then mm-hmm. we're able to, once we, once we realize that, and I love that he said that because once we realize that, I feel like we're able to detach ourselves from people and move on, yeah. right? Knowing, yeah. okay, this was a good and this was a bad. I was looking at a reflection of myself. There's something in me that attracted me to this person because I got a little piece of that in me right. that either needs to be fulfilled, that's already there. Or I'm trying to learn how to navigate this newly developed something that I feel, mm-hmm. right? And so then, like, we're able to kind of define our worthiness or define, yeah. like, what we are going to accept moving forward from people and how much mm-hmm. of it we deserve or don't deserve to yeah. build healthy relationships or to live in these spaces healthy. I think that's, like, yeah. that's the word. It's healthy, right? You don't yeah. want to live um so yeah I tell and I tell my clients this all the time in in using Mm -hmm. that tiny example this is this is something that that we have to learn how to do detaching ourselves from people or from spaces because traumas and triggers and all all these things can be difficult when you're used to something or if you define yourself a certain way so I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to kind of understand what that looks like too yeah, no, I, I think that's good. So how do you, right, like, how do you navigate um, spaces where you have detached, right? Like, you've learned how to detach yourself from certain things, certain people, places, all that stuff. And then you're in, like, let's say, another season of your life where you go to a new job or whatever, and you're you're faced with those same triggers, right? Like, how how do you handle that? How do you, how do you navigate that when you're almost, like, reintroduced to similar triggers that you thought that you overcame? So I'm going to be honest with you. And I love that you asked this. I feel like if for me, in my personal experience, there's a lot of triggers that I thought that I was over that I am not. 
over. It's one thing to hear a song and remind you of a moment and you could just change the radio, right? Like that's how I would handle that in the situation. It's another mm -hmm. thing if somebody says something or somebody does something or sounds like somebody or smells like somebody and it mm -hmm. takes you back to a space and yeah, you can quickly remove yourself from the situation. But if you can't walk through that situation, if I can't sit next to somebody that smells like something that reminds me of somewhere that I've been, I'm not mm -hmm. over that. And that is a trigger reminder that I, there needs to be a little bit more healing in this space mm -hmm. because I'm not able to sit through this. Mm -hmm. um, so to answer your question, like, how do I navigate it for, for the, for the triggers that I feel like I've, I successfully healed from? Cool. Mm -hmm. And I put healed in quotation marks because I healing is just like an ongoing process for yeah, me. It's yeah. never a full healing. You will never be at 100% out. The other therapists, other people may have their opinions about it, but healing is, yeah. is a journey for a reason. Journeys meaning there is a destination, but there's always somewhere else to get mm -hmm. to, right? Yep. Um, I feel like, you know, so in instances where I've, I've, I'm further along in my healing journey, I, that is is navigated through just simply grounding myself, like realizing that you know, what we use in like PTSD type client, mm -hmm. like realizing you're here in the present moment, look around you, what can you feel, what can you see, what can you touch, like you're no longer in that space anymore, you're good, you got it, mm -hmm. and I slowly bring like my anxiety levels down, now for other stuff, for other stuff, girl, <laughs> and I get, I get triggered. So I'm like, because yeah. I, I always like full attack mode, right? Like fight or yeah. flight, what are you doing? That's, yeah. that's how I am. Mm -hmm. That for me is just, it's, it's, it's harder to do when I'm, I'm a work in progress and I'll just leave it, leave it there. <laughs> how do you, yeah. let, same question, same question says, how do you, if you're presented with triggers that you have faced previously, how do you navigate through them? Uh, I'm laughing because I think a part of me, I get very delusional, just being Ooh. real, right? I get I get delusional, like, that's not bothering me. Like, I'm really okay. Like, nah, I'm good. Um, Even though it might, it might be like, it might be bothering me, but I literally try to ignore and be so, like, delusional to the point where I'm like, if I say enough times that it's not bothering me, then it won't bother me. If I say it, then it's just going to give it power and all the things. And I think that that's true in some in some regards, right? But I also think that when you are the type of person that you like almost ignore what's actually there. And Britt, you say this about me all the time. I justify everything, like all the things. I'm like, no, 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 it's like this because da, 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 da. Or like, no, no, no. Well, like, I mean, kind of, sort of, a little bit. Like I see that button also. Um, <laughs> instead of like literally being like, nah, like that, like that sucks. <laughs> like I am repeating that cycle, right? Or I do actually feel like this. Um, and so I think I've, I'm, I'm learning, rather, I'm learning to just call the thing, call it like it is. Um, and it's hard for me sometimes, honestly, because I think I spend so much time pretending that, that I'm okay with certain things or like bearing them that that is hard for me to admit like 
oh no, like I do miss this person or that that is a trigger for me. You know what I mean? Um, and so I have my now I'll have my five minutes of like sometimes I'll cry about it. Sometimes I'll I literally will out loud like say like that freaking sucks or dang, I didn't know it was like that for me. And I have a little like isolation period. I do. Mm-hmm. And then I try to and then I try to think of a game plan. Right. So like um like recently I didn't know I was being triggered by something. I I really thought I was okay. And it wasn't until I just walked out the house and I was like exploring this new city of mine that I got so triggered by walking into a mall. So triggered. And the whole time I'm in the mall though, I'm trying to convince myself that I'm not being triggered. And yeah. I was literally, I went into like that, no girl, you good. A mall, yeah. come on, that wouldn't trigger you, right? And then um, and then it wasn't until the drive back home that I really had, because you're all you're doing is driving. So like I got, I was trapped. So it was just like a, no, I'm sad. So I just said out loud, I'm sad because X, Y, X, Y, Z. And so for me, it's a, it's it's important for me to start calling things out and to mm-hmm. not pretend with myself first because I can't even talk to my friends about it because I'm lying to myself. So first, for me, yeah. I have to stop lying to myself first, mm-hmm. acknowledge that it is a trigger, and then talk to my support system or think of a game plan of like how to, you know, either dismantle that or to navigate through whatever the trigger is for me. Do you think that there will, that there will ever be a time where you can go revisit that mall and feel comfortable enough to walk through it without the trigger smacking you in the face yeah I I think so because um I think so because I've now identified why it was a trigger for me so it's like so it's not it wasn't just like the mall itself but it's what the mall represented right um and so it's navigating the city like you know just like going to different places and stuff like that and so for me now I haven't gone back to the mall but I've gone to other places um that that also represents like oh okay well I'm building new memories and I'm like navigating the city and this is this is my space you know and and that type of thing but I do think at some point I'll be able to go back to the mall only because it's not gonna spring up on me you know like the trigger like I I legitimately did not know it would would be a trigger for me it would be re-trigger me um so it's just like all right well I've acknowledged it's a trigger I've acknowledged why it's a trigger and now I can dismantle that thought, right? That that's behind it, and the feelings that come with it um, from hate, from facing it head on. Okay, that's good. I, so, as you're talking, I think it's important to highlight too that, like, if your triggers are place specific, right? Like Disney World, you mm-hmm. can either avoid it or you can face head on Disney World, right? But mm-hmm. you could then go to Bush Gardens or you can go to SeaWorld right. where you're not as triggered. It, like your trigger is specifically tied to Disney World. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's specifically tied to that mall because right. that's, right? But what mm-hmm. happens when it's tied to something like alcohol? I'll give you an example, right? Um, I'm not a I'm not a drinker. However, I was in a relationship where my partner was a heavy drinker, 
to the point where he missed a lot of milestones that he needed to be there for. Right. Uh, and when he drank, he got out of control. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was out of control. It, it was never abuse. Well, verbal, verbal abuse. I'll say that, yeah. but never anything physical. Right. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in a domestic situation with him. Um, so I'll say that that was triggering for me because that was wear and tear on my confidence, things that he would mm -hmm. say out of his mouth. Like it was a very, very nasty relationship. So moving from that experience in my past, I could, I could literally, I would, we would sit in like church and I would smell the alcohol seeping through his pores or mm -hmm. we would be talking, I don't know, over breakfast or something. And I would smell the alcohol from the night before when he had gone out. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, when I started dating my now husband, right, right. he's not a, he's not a heavy drinker at all. He's very much like a social, if that. Yeah. But our first date, he he didn't know any very much about me. Our first date, he was out with his. We went out. We had a great time. Then he went out with his boys. Like I don't know, maybe a few hours later or something. Okay. And he mm -hmm. calls me on the way home. And he's like, he's just talking nonsense, very obnoxious, mm -hmm. like loud or whatever. And I'll never forget that he heard my brother in my home. And he mm -hmm. was like, who's that in your house? Blah, 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 blah. I was instantly triggered because my last previous relationships prior to come, mm -hmm. come back, right? They were, he, he would then ask those questions like, who you at? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever, because of his own insecurities and what he was doing. So when right. he when when he asked me, it was like, huh? We're not even together. Oh. What do you even mm -hmm. mean? Right? Oh, I'm coming through. Come, come then. Come on. The door is open. Let's go. And when okay. he got there, you know, like again, just kind of thinking about moments where you smell the liquor, it instantly mm -hmm. took me back to a space where I was like, no. And I was able to lay a boundary there that said, We're not, I'm not mm -hmm. doing this. If yeah. you have this, I cannot walk this walk with you. So let's nip this now. It's literally like yeah. week one. So I'll give you the benefit mm -hmm. of the doubt that this doesn't need to happen anymore. Mm -hmm. We were able to push past that, obviously. Right. Now. But I, I, I like, yeah, I do feel like it's harder. No, mm -hmm. it, every trigger is is difficult to maneuver through, but we all have like, different levels of triggers yeah like smells and taste and different stuff like that is very mm -hmm. much different than in going to an actual place yeah right like you can't yeah. you don't you can avoid going there but you can't get rid of alcohol being served in a restaurant you yeah. can't get rid of cigarettes being smoked somewhere yep. right so like how would you say now that i've shared my story how would you what as a as a on the mental health side what would you tell me? I'm putting you in the hot seat as a, yeah. as your client, like how to maneuver through these types of triggers. If I'm exposed to them, what's, what are some coping strategies? Yeah, I think, I think something that you said early on, um, about like grounding yourself, I think having grounding techniques is probably the, like the biggest, um, and best, um, coping skill if you will or skill to to use because it just puts you back in the present moment like you said because when we when we're having these triggers it's basically the past that has now infiltrated our present right and so it's being able to um 
and for for people there's different things that you can do right so like the um like five four three two ones like five different things that you see right different things that you smell all those types of things um to ground you also um sometimes i've had like clients in the past that they keep a, a pleasant smell with them so for instance so like a, a particular perfume or some of them even have um uh, like bracelets that you can put like essential oils in right um some people have they carry around like little essential oils so that if there is like a trigger that they're experiencing in the moment real time then they can legit just uh either spray themselves with it or rub the, the essential oil on them to give them a new like a new almost like a new perspective to almost like reset their senses in general um so that's that's definitely a helpful one and people usually on hand have like lotion or um you know that perfume yeah exactly exactly um mm -hmm. which doesn't have to be like super noticeable to anybody else right but you know what you're doing um so I think if you're like in the moment present like and it's happening in those moments those are the two um that I really appreciate but just finding different ways yeah to just ground yourself um other times it's like being okay with feeling the tension um mm -hmm. and and so like there's a thing progressive muscle relaxation but you don't have to do all that but just like if you if you if you realize that your shoulders are getting tense or some people they their jaws usually locked um, mm -hmm. when they get like really really triggered right so it's literally saying to yourself out loud and this is another technique that I'm going to pair with it but you say it out loud like loosen your jaw <laughs> you are okay I am okay uh he's not here anymore I'm actually sitting wherever you are right and so being able to bring yourself back to the present by stating what it is that you actually see around you or saying to yourself I'm safe using different mantras um uh and things like that but I think preparing those things beforehand um mm -hmm. if you know that it's an active like if it's a trigger that you know that you know about like alcohol right like that's something that you would know that's like a trigger for you right um but yeah preparation grounding um yeah love essential love, love those things i i think one takeaway that i heard you say is bringing yourself to the present moment we don't do that enough like even outside of being triggered by things and bringing yourself back to the present moment even living in the moment I feel like humans just present day is just so hard to like be realistic around which is crazy yeah. because we're in the we're currently in the now right mm -hmm. but are we really in the now like a lot of people aren't and I and I I when I'm we're talking about triggers when we're talking about PTSD even think about depression and anxiety depression is literally you falling into a state where you're living in the past your memories mm -hmm. are certain resurfacing because of something that has happened in your past and then anxiety yeah. is you trying to look ahead at the future trying to figure right. it out right so now mm -hmm. your heart's like da, da, da. you're feeling all the anxiety yeah. symptoms because of the future why mm -hmm. are we not living in the present moment you know like yeah. how do we we're not living in the present moment and i think uh, uh, the reason why so many people have a problem with grounding techniques is because we're not living in the present moment so now you're asking me to bring myself to the present time right mm -hmm. um it can become difficult again the healing journey is your journey however you get there however much time you need is totally mm -hmm. up to you. 
right? Like do all the things to be in the present moment, to be in the now, to understand that you're not here anymore or you're not going there by anxiety right. over fear. Mm-hmm. Just kind of slow step, get there when you get there, right? One thing at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, this this was this was a lot. This was heavy. This was definitely dipping oh, in our our social. Like, are we there? Are we like wow? That was this was. So basically, y'all y'all have been invited into our therapy session. <laughs> We're right. To give each other therapy. Right. Wow, that was that was beautiful. That was good. That was good. Before we go, yes. Before we go, I want you to end this with. For y'all that don't know, I call Asia for almost every little thing, okay? Asia is my, I, I, I think we're both. We don't realize it, but we're therapists to each other a yeah, lot of different times because her perspective may be the same, but it's translated so differently in how I needed to hear it in that moment. Like we can both talk about, I don't know, let's let's use like a multiple personality disorder that's yeah. the, the the exact same topic, but it'll be translated so differently. And it's like, uh-huh. Yep, that's what I was missing. So said all of that to say, how mm-hmm. would you, how do you turn off there being a therapist and being a friend? Mm-hmm. Somebody calls you, me. I call you because I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about some stuff, some juice, right? How do you then turn off your, and it's easy for me to understand because I am on the other side too, but for your friends that aren't, that they don't want to hear a therapeutic answer, how do you turn off the therapist in you and just show up for them as a friend or can you? Okay, so it's hard. Like it's, it is hard sometimes because I am therapeutic in nature, I think. Um, and my friends know that about me so that's the good part of it Um, and I always ask questions so most first firstly I just listen I usually just listen I wait for them to tell me or I ask them like all right do you do you want to know what I would do do you want some advice but a lot of times I will give um, I do give feedback often and I always I always say, I'm laughing because all my friends do it. Uh, they respond when I do this. I say, okay, well, maybe look at it this way, right? Or, okay, have you have you considered X, Y, X, Y, Z? So I kind of like, just being real, I kind of test the waters a little bit just to see how they respond. Um, so, because so like, if I, if I put something out there, like a thought or like a, okay, have you thought about this pr- perspective? Um, then I wait to see if they're like, no, I don't need to hear that. Or if it's like a, oh, man, all right, I didn't even think about it like that. But it's rare that I will give my personal opinion about something first. And I think that is actually what, what is the difference between me being a friend and a therapist, because as a therapist, we don't give advice. Mm-hmm. We ask you questions to get you to consider, to get you to think about a, pers- a particular point of view or perspective that you might not have seen before. And I think mm-hmm. that's the way that I approach my friendships. So sometimes I don't I don't give a lot of advice unless I'm asked explicitly to do so. Um, I ask a lot of questions, which I think it's, it's that is therapeutic in nature. 
So it's hard, actually. The more I think about it, it's hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. But I also, but I always, um, but I'm able to to sit with my friends differently than I am with like a client, right? So with a client, it's straight like I don't know, just asking, asking, asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with my friends, I know them, you know. What I'm saying? So like, like I'm like, yeah, oh girl, yeah, that make me mad too, you know? Or like I'm able to like relate to them still. Um, in a different way than I do with my clients, but it's hard. It's actually it's actually hard to do because I feel like my identity is just both. Yeah, my my, my identity is literally I'm I'm a therapeutic person, which mm-hmm. makes me a good therapist, and I also think it makes me a good friend because I just keep it real with my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with you there. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real and just say there there is no on and off switch. At least for me, I can't. I can't turn it off. I'm I, that the advice part, a hundred percent wholeheartedly agree with you because mm-hmm. we're so conditioned in our mind not to give advice. Like, well, this is what I think you should do. Yeah. Right. It's more so of like, how did you view that? What do you think you should have did instead? Right. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how the conversations kind of go. Um, but I can't turn it. I can't turn it off. Even I'm learning like this has, had such being a since graduation like Mm -hmm. it has had such a an impact on my communication skills like I was a great Mm -hmm. communicator before but now Mm -hmm. not to toot my own horn but I feel like I'm top tier because I'm actually listening to listen right like I am actively listening to you before I would just I would hear you but I'm already creating my response in my brain, mm-hmm. right? And I'm still going to yeah. communicate that. Um, but in in learning to be a therapist, I've worked on tone. I've worked on delivery. I've worked mm-hmm. on understanding the person, yeah. empathizing with the person. Like mm-hmm. they may feel like this in this moment. That's why the behavior is viewed like this. Like yeah. that's literally what goes through my brain as I'm talking to different people. And mm-hmm. it has brought about less arguments. It like with friends, mm-hmm. it with my, with my spouse, like my yeah. parents, with family, like it's less argumentative because now, again, everybody's under uh, uh mm-hmm. entitled to their own opinion. Everybody's saying yep. their viewpoint, and I'm trying to process what they're thinking about, how they're they're mm-hmm. connecting to their emotion in this moment. Mm-hmm. That's what's going through my brain, and I can't unlearn how to do that. Yeah, right. So. Brit, that's so, that's so, so good. Cause even as you're saying that I'm realizing, cause one of the things that if you know me, you know, I'm a very sarcastic person, but I've realized that the longer, the longer I've been a therapist, the less sarcastic I actually am. And it's because I cannot be sarcastic to my clients. It does not translate well. Granted, there are some of my teenagers, some of the teenagers that I work with and like, we'll go toe to toe, right? We just having a good time cutting up in sessions, but but I ha- I had to learn because I did not have an off switch for my sarcasm, like at all. I was always sarcastic. And being a therapist has literally taught me like, no, like I, I can't always be trolling people. I cannot do that. And mm-hmm. so that is actually, I can't, and, and I have fun doing it. Like I love being sarcastic. It's a part of who I am. Um, but learning, that's actually one of the things that I've learned how to do better in my communication um, with people. And I think that that does translate into be, being able to listen and to come to come with a genuine response too. 
because sometimes like my first response would be like for me to troll for me to like you know be sarcastic about something but now that I'm a therapist it's like okay sis what is your first response what is your second response and if you cannot get to your second response just just listen for a second like just yeah. like yeah just pay attention to you and I think sometimes people think that when you are a therapist you're always analyzing the other person I would argue that you as a therapist you actually analyze yourself more Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not it's not about the other person it's how you're responding how you're being therapeutic if you're being vulnerable or not all those different things mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh I love that that is so good and also under also trying to realize if the response is necessary to be solution-based right mm-hmm. like we as people when we talk to other people especially when we're venting we oftentimes want to provide a solution to this. How do we solve this issue? When a lot of times people are just talking to talk, right? Mm -hmm. Just because they need to let it out. They need their voice to be heard. They need to hear themselves say things out loud to then process Mm -hmm. it and be like, huh, wait a minute, that that sounds really dumb as I just said that, right? Even with our friends and family, like you just, you don't realize things because we keep them locked in our, in our heads so often so to to basically piggyback off of what you said all of those things right we are analyzing ourselves more than anything but also to kind of look at "Mm, do these responses require solutions or are we just actively using our listening skills oh yeah (laughs) and this this has been another episode, another season of Small Talk. You already know two queens, two perspectives, one topic. We will see you on the next season. Bye. Bye, y'all.